who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. <laughs> How you doing, my love? You know, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. I really feel like there was a, a tweet I saw that was like, do you ever real? you ever spill a little bit of coffee and realize how thin the thread you're hanging on by actually is? Oh, it, it's so thin that it's a cup of coffee's width. Yeah, I really feel <laughs> like I almost cried this morning over like something really stupid that I can't even think about. Like that's yep. that's where I'm at mentally, where it's yeah. just like the smallest thing could break me. Mm-hmm. Feeling very fragile at the moment. <laughs> that's like literally that was me throughout the entirety of the pandemic. And I'm like trying to be tougher again because literally any minor critique or criticism. Tiny could, inconvenience. Like, just take you right me, out. Like off the wall yeah I'm also like PMSing like my period's gonna start next week so I also know that that's what it is like my god yeah my rational mind is like okay that's what this is like you you almost cried because of something insignificant earlier today like that's why that's why but I mean thank goodness that you're getting your period you had me worried when you were like if I don't get it this one week it's gonna happen on my wedding and I'm like yeah I mean it hasn't happened yet and my body is known to be unpredictable so I'm not gonna you know count my eggs but in right but okay before they've hatched either that or you're gonna have to wear like a straight up diaper under that dress i will be furious it could give you a nice little like cushy butt though oh god i will be so mad i will be so uncomfortable (laughs) the whole time oh no please god or whatever please don't (laughs) let it happen to me goddess if you're listening give keegan her period Right now. Yeah, universe, (laughs) if you could just speed this along, that would be fantastic. Oh, my God. All right. Well, I've got a couple things to chat about this week. Me too. Me too. All right. I don't have anything that's like particularly horrible. Do you have anything super depressing? No, I don't. I almost did. I was going to start writing notes on the U.S. gymnasts who testified. Oh, I did write about that. I mean, it's it's depressing, but it's like not. 
Well, it's I just not like I just find the way because when they were testifying, they were talking about the ways in which they were let down by the FBI because Definitely. all of these these women girls really at the time at the time yeah they were just young girls yeah went to the fbi and relived these absolutely horrific experiences and the fbi was basically like that's it yeah to them like and to their ca- faces and pushed aside information covered up information mm-hmm. didn't do any follow-ups like they should have so let's talk about that a little bit i don't have a whole lot of notes about it but since you also know the story let's chat about it a little bit so Olympic gymnast Simone Biles and Allie Raceman, along with athlete A, who was the initial uh, girl to kind of start to bring down Larry Nasser. Her name was Maggie Nichols, and she is actually from my hometown. Oh, look at that. Woo-woo, Roseville Pride. Uh, they talked to the Senate Judiciary Committee on Wednesday morning that the current and former FBI agents should be held accountable for badly mishandling the Bureau's investigation into Larry Nasser. The evidence shows that the FBI did not respond with, quote, seriousness and urgency. And the report also found that agents mishandled evidence and later made false statements to investigators about the mistakes they made. So they even though they knew that they made these mistakes, they were still covering their own asses to the other investigators and not sharing that information, which can also be really damaging to an investigation. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and it was pointed out when I was listening to Daily's Zeitgeist earlier, it was pointed out how lying to the FBI is a crime. And like, if you and I were to lie to the FBI and impede an investigation, there would would be consequences. There would be real consequences for that. And the fact that they've basically decided not to do anything to these FBI agents, not to give them really any consequences at all. It's holding citizens up to a higher standard than the FBI. As always. I mean, this is what we always see with law enforcement. Like over and over again, this is what we see is like citizens are being held to a higher standard than the people within your own ranks. Yeah. Uh, And what kind of message is that sending? I mean, these were... That those in power can get away with whatever they want to. Right, yeah. These were children and not only that, like I can't imagine for someone like Simone Biles, the disconnect between basically being idolized yeah. to the nth degree by all of the United States yeah, for being like America's sweetheart, incredible athlete and bringing yeah. home the gold for us time and time again and then being failed in such a tremendous way. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to fuck with Simone Biles though. Like I, she, she's got a good head in her shoulders. Like she really is like such a fierce yeah. woman. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to be on her bad side. I think that she does such a great job at like eloquently speaking up for herself. I really thought that all of these women did a really great job about speaking, you know, clearly about what was happening to them during this time. And they were supported by multiple senators as well, who questioned why the department of justice did not pursue criminal charges against the agents. Uh, Michaela Maroney was also present and she stated by not taking action from my report, they, the FBI allowed a child molester to go free for more than a year. They had legal evidence of child abuse and did nothing. Senator Dick Durbin said that the FBI doctored paperwork and lied to the media in an effort to hide their mistakes and that the agents engaged in a cover up by making material false statements to investigators. Luckily, Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, No, I'm sorry to jump in. It just occurred to me, though. I was thinking like 
Yeah, she's got it exactly right. Like they allowed a child molester to go free for a year to do however much damage that he did in that year. Yeah. And I really want to question the FBI agent who heard what they had to say and didn't think it was enough. Because I'm like, what kind of person, what are you doing, sir, Uh, in your free time that you think that an adult man abusing children and and using his position of power and authority over them to sexually abuse them yeah um isn't enough like what what where's the line for you then what are you doing in your everyday life that you think that this is acceptable the only thing that i can think of and this is not an excuse obviously but the only thing i can think of is not believing them like not totally buying the stories that these girls are telling But, but even then so okay say you don't believe them there is evidence this is the story you think that they're going to make up like you think that they're going to make up a story that to you is not even that extreme right but I mean like think about the uh, numerous amounts of people that come forward and tell their stories and aren't believed to me that's like the one thing that makes sense is that you know when the first group of girls were coming forward that they were like oh well this is like this guy's been working as a doctor for this many years he's very well respected the u.s you know olympic committee is cool with them like maybe there was like a lot of mental gymnastics that they went through because there's no way that you can believe their story and still not do anything unless you you don't care which is what what i'm saying totally unless you don't care yeah yeah like then you should not be working for the fbi right like what kind of person is this yeah and that's why there are so many senators that got involved and as of right now there aren't there hasn't been any accountability and that's what they're really trying to do luckily larry nasser remains in prison he's going to be there for like over 200 years He's long gone. Um, but Simone Biles also called for the officials from USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee to be held accountable. She said, this is the largest case of sexual abuse in the history of American sport. And although there has been an independent investigation of the FBI's handling of the case, neither USAG or USOPC have ever been made the subject of the same level of scrutiny, which drives me crazy because have you watched Athlete A on Mm-mm. Netflix? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Trigger warning for all the things, obviously, but it, it's a Netflix documentary. It's so well made. Um, and they really go into what USA Gymnastics knew, what the, if you know about the Carolis, you know, they're like the top, they're the Olympic coaches and all this stuff. Like everybody knew what was going on. There were so many cover ups. So if the FBI is going to be investigated, USA Gymnastics has to be investigated. The US Olympic Committee needs to be investigated. The Olympic Committee in all needs to do something about these abusers that they are letting in the Olympics because it was that wrestler or something, right? Mm -hmm. That was allowed to compete in the Olympics even though he had right and I believe that there yeah and there was also a another coach yeah for a different sport yeah so I mean like yeah of course we see this time and time again like abusers are going to seek out jobs and positions where they can put themselves in places of authority Mm -hmm. where they have access to victims you know and I, I feel like because of that these people in these types of jobs need to be vetted yeah incredibly to well like the nth degree and yeah. these allegations need to be taken seriously immediately because yeah. as we've seen even time if and it's again fake, like even if it's not true like that's the thing what does it hurt if it's not true we need to investigate you need to get down to the truth because that's people's like excuse all the time it's like oh well you can't look well, into every allegation but what, you yes you can first yes, of all exactly. and you should yeah i mean and first of all we know that most of the time 
people don't lie about this kind of thing. It's not that it never happens, but it's, most of the time. I'm pretty sure the exact number is like 2% of the time, if I remember correctly. For, for rapes, I know that for that's rapes, the case. Yeah. But sexual assaults, I'm not sure what the exact percentage is, but the likelihood. Yeah. And the likelihood of these athletes who have trained their entire lives for these moments, right? To go to the Olympics, to right. do all of these things, for them to put themselves in a position where they could jeopardize any of that by yes. talking. I, it's just not super likely to me. It's more likely that they would be telling the truth and they wouldn't be. Yeah. And so it's like, well, and it's also so frustrating because when you're a young athlete or if you're a young performer, like if you're in a world that is kind of adult, when you're young, you're expected to behave like an adult, you're right. treated like an adult, you're criticized like an adult, all of these things. But then once they come forward with these allegations, it's almost like all that integrity that they'd given you mm -hmm. and pushed upon you is kind of stripped away immediately. Like, oh, no, you're just a child. Yes. You're just a woman. You don't know what you're talking about. Or, yeah, girl. So yeah. yeah, there's like certain instances where they're treated way above their age level and then there's times where they're just completely disregarded for that same thing it's just it's so frustrating it's like treat them on like as you would on the mat off the mat treat them with the same integrity treat them with the same level of respect but also with the understanding that these are children like I think that that's kind of the thing it's like you treat them like children when it's convenient for you because you don't want to listen to them or pay attention to them but yeah. you don't protect them like children like why aren't you protecting them like they're children because yeah. they're teenagers yeah you know what I mean and like I, it drives me insane because there was something that happened kind of like in my life, which we can talk about off mic where there was a situation kind of like this. Yeah. And the inclination or the, the belief that like teenage girls, because there are young women, yeah. they are young women. I would consider, you know, upper teens to be a young woman. Yeah. That because we look at them like that, that they're not also still children. Yeah. Like teenagers are still children. Like yeah. you are in that overlapping kind of place where you have one, you know, not yet a girl, not yet a woman. No, not, I'm not a girl. There it is. There it is. Not yet a woman. Yes, exactly. In the wise words of Britney Spears. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the truth. And you feel like that, right? Yeah. When you're in your teens, you well, feel like you that. Well, you want to be treated like an adult when you're in your teens, too, because you're like, oh, like, I'm not a kid anymore. Right. You know, which is why it's so important that the people in your life know that you are still a child yeah. and that you need to be protected well, it that was way. fucked up and like go watch athlete a if you feel like you can handle it because they really go into the Carolis, which are the coaches and things like that and the training center in texas like parents are given no communication like it's super culty and crazy so like parents aren't even able to like really know what's going on with their kids and these parents are being lied to even when their kids were coming forward about things to be like oh no we're taking care of it or all these different things it's such a twisted heartbreaking frustrating story but if you do want to know more about it i highly highly recommend watching the documentary it's so well done it's so good yeah wow <sighs> well i'm sending strength and hugs to all of those women because yeah. to be re-victimized over and over and over and over for real uh, it's gotta be just terrible i know okay I feel for simone biles right now man me too and i hope that everybody who gave her a hard time for skipping a couple of the events at the olympics watches her testimony and feels like shit those people aren't gonna feel like shit they're pieces of shit themselves mm, fair okay survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. So I want to talk about the Justice for J6 rally. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Oh, here we go. Okay. Up to 700 people are expected to attend a rally on Saturday in Washington, D.C. in support of those who rioted at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, who they are calling political prisoners. Okay, wait. So I saw Mm -hmm. a headline today that mentioned something about the Capitol facing its biggest like threat to security Uh since January 6th. Yeah, yes. Is this what Mm -hmm. that's referring to? Okay, I just saw the headline. All right, cool. (laughs) Yeah, so these political prisoners, in air quotes, are the more than 600 people who have been charged in the riot on January 6th. Uh, And this riot left five people dead and 140 police officers injured. Right, Right, the, the back the blue party. Let's keep that in mind. And it led to, of course, the second House impeachment of Donald Trump. Right. In case you needed a reminder of what <laughs> happened on January 6th. Oh, God. So I'd calling, like to forget about all the Donald Trump times. It's it's so infuriating to me to call these people, these terrorists, because they are domestic terrorists, who attacked our nation's capital, mm-hmm. calling them political prisoners, which is the same language that we use for people like Nelson Mandela, yeah. uh, is fucking gross. It's very gross. And... Still, some self-serving Republican politicians are reinforcing this idea that these people are political prisoners. So there's Representative Paul Gosser. He's a Republican from Arizona. Mm -hmm. He said of the nearly 200 defendants that still remain jailed because there are people who couldn't make their bail who are still in jail because they they're insurrectionists. Yeah, they're actual traitors. Yeah, yeah. He said of them, he said, quote, these are political prisoners who are now being persecuted and bearing the pain of unjust suffering. Are they? Oh, unjust suffering. Tell me more. This whole thing (laughs) is so like, 
Oh my God. Um, Tell that to the 140 injured police officers and the five people that died. Oh, but their fifis were hurt because <laughs> Trump lost the election and they couldn't handle it. They're fifis. Yeah. They're so poor fifis. They had, they, they had to storm the Capitol, Madigan. I mean, duh. Of course. Is there any other option? Apparently not. God, uh, I so, still can't believe it ever happened. It, it's, it's so infuriating. It is. It is. <sighs> so the event is organized by Look, Look Ahead America, which is led by a former Trump campaign staffer named Matt Brainard. And he urged pr- participants to not wear clothes or carry signs mentioning Trump or Biden. Like anybody's going to wear something. Okay. Maybe counter protest. I was going to say it's probably like Biden sucks and like anti-Biden stuff. He said, we request that anybody attending our events not wear any clothing or have signs supportive of either President Trump or Biden. Anyone not honoring this request will be assumed to be an infiltrator and we will take your picture, find out who you are and make you famous. Okay. So the same the same way that we got all the insurrectionists Mm -hmm. into jail is what you're going to do to the people that. Oh, okay, cool. cool, They're throwing down that reverse Uno card on us. Right. Yeah. They're like, we're going to do the same thing. And I don't know why, other than that, I think that maybe he realized he realizes that it was a bad look that after January 6th, you had because everybody was like, it's Antifa. It's not yeah. Trump people. But it's like, clearly it was Trump people because yeah. all of you are wearing like Trump, Trump 2020. Shirts. <laughs> yeah. And shirts I feel like it's also a way to like weed out the people who are maybe like left wing media that's going to be there. Or I don't know, like maybe they think that if somebody is trying to go there like undercover and stealthily that like if you're wearing a Trump shirt, we'll know that you didn't get the memo and you're not actually supposed to be here or something like that. I, I don't just know. feel like it's also not very enforceable. Like, you know, no. really you're gonna you're gonna do all that for all these people who are showing up? Okay. And there's just no way it's not an apolitical rally. Like I don't understand how you're trying to frame it as though it's this apolitical thing. The whenever, whole point of it is very political. Yes. Yeah. You're there to defend people who were there to protest the election of a president and overturn election results. It's right. inherently political. Right. And you're doing it at I our nation's capital. Yeah, it's it's I guess maybe not to draw the same like response because there's no Trump. They can't say it was like a Trump rally, maybe because they're not wearing any Trump shirts. I guess. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I actually am not too worried about I, I don't think another January 6th is going to happen. I don't think they have it in them. Uh, but, you know, maybe I should knock on some wood or something. Yeah. I also think that, I mean, hopefully everybody who was who is in charge of security has changed what the security looks like. Right. You know? So the U.S. Capitol Police are erecting a temporary fence around the Capitol in anticipation of the rally. The Capitol Police Board has already issued an emergency declaration that will go into effect on the day of the demonstration, allowing the department to deputize outside law enforcement officers at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, And I know that there have been some other things that were put into place. Yeah. The only thing that gives me pause is that there is evidence that far-right extremist groups are going to be showing up, like the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, um, plan on attending this rally. So... If anybody's going to rile anything up, it would probably be them. But I do know that security has been beefed up. So we'll see what happens. I just think this whole thing is so stupid. Oh, it's incredibly stupid. I mean, it just sucks because it's like you can't stop somebody's right to protest right of course yeah you have a first amendment right to be there until you start getting violent but it's just 
wild to me that like they're such big crybabies. You know, they call everybody else a snowflake, but they're such big crybabies because these people who, again, are actual traitors to our nation uh, and tried to overthrow our democracy right. are getting laughably short sentences. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, really, these political prisoners like shaman guy Q shaman guy got like five years or Which, something like Q shaman. Guy? He's the guy who was in the big like, um, oh, the, the Viking headdress. helmet. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. The Viking helmet. Do we know? Because um, you watched the uh, HBO documentary. What was it called? Like Into the Storm or something like that? I started Q. it, but it was pissing me off. So I didn't finish oh, it. I watched it all. and It was really good. I wonder if any of those guys were there. I mean, probably. Yeah, that they were. I Actually, they were. wait, I think that they showed the insurrection at the end of the documentary. I just don't remember. I think they did. Yeah, I think they did. Because I yeah. think that there there was footage from that uh, in the trailer. So I'm pretty Freaking certain that they did. Crazy. I mean. Because you get to know some of those Q guys in that documentary and it's it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, do you have anything else? I do. I would actually really love to talk about AOC's dress at the Met Gala. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Here okay. we go. Because this has been real polarizing on both sides of the aisle. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually had a lot of people ask me my opinion on it as well. So let's talk about it. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York went to the Met Gala on Monday evening dressed in a custom brother a custom brother Veli's ivory wool jacket dress. That is really hard to say. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, with the message, tax the rich emblazoned in red across the back. The gown was made by designer Aurora James, who is a black woman, immigrant designer, and activist. James is the founder of the environmentally conscious clothing brand, Brother Veli's, and is also the creator of the 15% pledge, which challenges companies to, quote, pledge 15% of their shelf, shelf place? Shelf price, I'm going to assume, is what it says, to black-owned businesses. So many New York elected officials were invited as, quote, guests of the museum and did not have to pay to attend the event. Which happens every year. That happens every year. There's always politicians who are invited. Yes, and Mm -hmm. they don't have to pay for their ticket or anything like that. Right, which is a misconception that people have, that she paid the $30,000 ticket price or whatever it is, which she didn't. Which she did not, exactly. So that was one of the critical points here. Many on the right criticized her for going to the event in the first place, but AOC states that she believes that the Met belongs to the people. Her dress made waves on social media with the left sharing pictures of the dress in praise and the right finding another reason to hate AOC. And then kind of as time went on, even the left started to become more critical about her choices. Donald Trump Jr. tagged her as a fraud for sending a message about taxing the rich, saying, while she's hanging out with a bunch of wealthy left-wing elites. So my initial response to this was I see somebody who is wearing a tax the rich dress in front of a room full of like, if not one percenter is very close to being one percenter is like incredibly wealthy people. So to me, it was kind of like her shoving that in their faces a little bit with that. But I know that other people still have issues with you know, her choosing tax the rich as that's something that most people are on board with. So it really isn't that politically of a hot button topic. Well, I think that there are a lot of people who are not on board with it. I think a lot of people on the right are not on board with it. Uh, I think she was in a room full of people who would say they're on board with it in theory, but are... But don't want to lose their money. Absolutely true. I mean, and so I understand this, like the Met Gala is considered to be 
the most elite of elite. It's like the Oscars of the fashion world. It's like the biggest. But bigger. Like, yeah. It, the way that I think about it is the Met Gala is the capital at the Hunger Games. Like, that is what the Met Gala is, One, right? Like, like, every single year when I look at it, I'm like, this is Hunger Games because the outfits are so weird. Right, which is beautiful. We love oh looking at God, them. Oh my God, I love them so of much. Of course, yeah. we, love, we love looking at these outfits. But I do understand the the disconnect maybe there between like our our socialist queen AOC being at an event that is so capitalistic and yeah. full of like so many like quote unquote elites. However, I think all of the people on the left who are getting super riled up and I've seen several people who are very far left, um, you know, socialists who are disappointed and upset with her and posting about it. Uh, what I would say to them is I think we have bigger fish to fry totally. than whether or not AOC is attending this event or not. You can be critical. Um, you can question whether or not it was a good move. Yeah. But to devote any energy to making posts or like talking a lot about it, I feel like is really not helpful at all. Um, yeah. At this stage. But I mean, this this is the thing that I guess is confusing to me. And maybe this is like me being an old lady thinking about it, but it's like if you're offered a free ticket to an event where you know you're going to be seen, at least she's making a strong political sure. point, yeah. as did a lot of other, you know, actors, athletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Megan Rapino, you know, had a, what was it, in Gay We Stand or Gay Something United, like something. that. Like there was a lot of kind of, and um, Peg the Patriarchy for Cara Which, Delevingne. Ooh. Yeah. That, that I feel like has homophobic connotations that I don't love. Which is weird because she's gay. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I think yeah. it, it's, it has weird vibes it for does. me. Oh, it totally has weird. I completely agree with you on that. But my point is yes. there were all of these other like political statements that were yeah. made. And yes, I get the difference between a performer and a representative. Sure. I understand that. But I think that if you're going to go and you got a free ticket and you're like, I'm going to go to this thing because she can enjoy herself as much as she damn well pleases. Mm -hmm. She is a person. She was like, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to make some sort of message. And while I understand people's frustration and feeling that maybe she's not doing enough to back that up. But at the same time, politicians do not have, they, they don't have a magic wand where they can immediately make what they want to happen, happen. Right. So I'm glad that at least by her, I mean, that dress was everywhere. And to me, that yeah. is a huge political statement. So even if it was controversial, it's still being talked about. It's still part of the conversation. Well, a- AOC is very good at that. She's very yeah. good at finding the thing that people are going to talk about, which, you know, all press is good press in a lot of ways. Which has really put a target on her back, right. too. And, and a target is lives on AOC's back, yeah. you know, and she knew that this was going to rile up the right. She knew it. And she don't give a um, fuck. That's why I love her. I hope that it didn't, but I hope that the message resonated with the people who were there. Me too. Um, because I, I don't think, I think that coming from my background with a lot of conservative people in my family, uh-huh. there are a lot of people who find it very hypocritical to have these kind of socialist beliefs or, or back people like Bernie Sanders and have all these socialist beliefs and then are in nearly the 1% in the amount of money that they make, like Kylie right. Jenner being a billionaire, you know, like yeah. those kinds of things. It, it can feel very hypocritical. Well, but at the same time, it's like, yes, they're making a lot of money, but are they supposed to turn it down? You know what I mean? It's, uh, that's the thing is well, like you but, can't... But 
I, I think that you should. I don't think that anybody. I, there is no ethical billionaire. Even oh, you, Rihanna. No, no, no. Even you, Rihanna. And you know I fucking love you. There are no ethical billionaires. No, not and there at is all. no reason. But for, is AOC a billionaire? AOC is not a billionaire. But I'm saying the other people in the room because right. that's what's going to get people riled up. Because is I that, think like, if AOC was close to being a billionaire and wore that, that would be fucking hypocritical. No, to but me, I'm, it's I'm like, talking about the issue is when you attend an event like that. Right? Yes, you're. I think a lot of people on the right are are feeling like it's it's not hypocritical, right? I'm just trying to get into the logic because right. like she's rubbing elbows with with those people, and and those people very often are going to say, "Yes, Queen, tax the rich. We're with you. We're hyper progressive." And, yeah. and taking themselves out of the equation, which yep. I don't like. I. I really hope that Hollywood can get to a place where it recognizes that like you are part of the problem too. Yeah. Because there is no ethical way to do capitalism. There isn't. You know, having worked for a celebrity in the past and hearing them talk about money, it's weird. It's very, very weird how frugal and money obsessed these people are. Like the woman that I worked for, um, we went trick-or-treating with what's his name sean parker the facebook originator guy i don't know and she was like let's look up how much his net worth is before we go to their house and i'm like that's so fucking weird like they just think about money in a different way and it's more important than a lot of other things i i don't begrudge anybody being wealthy right like it's not no, i don't but it's i don't begrudge that. with money that's and, weird. and i would hope to think that if i ever got a large sum of money and I'm not talking about a billion dollars. I'm talking about several million dollars that I would give some of that money away because there's just no reason for anybody to need that much money. Like there isn't like even in California where it's like a house is going to cost you one to $2 million. If you have $50 million, you don't need all 50. All of these celebrities do if you can afford a $30,000 ticket. And again, I don't begrudge them for that because I'm like, yes, you're donating the money to the Met, right? Like, yeah, it's a complicated thing. I'm weird about it. My little socialist heart is weird about people who have like tons and tons of money because I just. Oh, I agree. Our world is so fucked. Uh, 100%. (laughs) I don't under. And that's the thing that I was trying to say is like, I don't understand living life where money is that big of a like factor for you or that important to you. Cause to me, money is important to me because I want to be able to pay my bills you be comfortable. and my rent right. and you know, I want to be comfortable and all this kind of stuff. But the way that these wealthy people think about their money is different than the way you and I think about it. Of money. course. I mean, that's the only way you become a billionaire. You yeah. become a billionaire because you're obsessed. You, you're obsessed with money. You like money more than the normal amount. Everybody yes. likes money. Yep. Okay. Everybody likes it. Everybody needs it. But uh-huh. like you like it more than you, you should like it. If, if you have more money than you can spend in three lifetimes, exactly. then you like it too much. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, we're at the 30 minute mark. So I really want to read this nine 11 story that was sent to us. Yes. So we did the first part of our 9-11 and War on Terror episode that came out last Monday. We'll be releasing part two on this coming Monday. Yep. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would go give it a listen. Uh, Yeah, don't start in the middle. Yeah, don't don't start at the end. You know what I mean? So I mean, or do like we won't tell you what to do. I mean, if you really want to, if you were like, actually, I don't care about the first half. Fine fine um but we did ask for your 9-11 stories uh in that episode we were just kind of talking about 
if you remember where you were, what you were doing at that time, um, write in and let us know. Let us know what your thoughts and feelings were. And please still do. We got one Mm -hmm. of them. I would love so many more of them. So if you were, if you have some sort of memory from 9-11, please send it our way. Yes, do share. Okay, so this starts off, hi fam. I was listening to the 9-11 episode and wanted to chime in. I was in sixth grade on 9-11. Me too. Hello. My school was K through 12, so they did not broadcast an announcement, so they did not upset the young kids. The high school teachers stopped teaching and put on their TVs to the news. Apparently, all the teachers were notified right away in case something else happened, but only high school teachers were allowed to put on the news. Makes I remember, sense. Yeah, totally. I remember being at lunch when my math teacher told us it happened, but not really understanding. When my mom picked me up, we talked about it, but I still didn't really understand. When we got home, I saw the replay of the second plane hitting the second tower Mm -hmm. over and over again, Mm -hmm. and it hit me how serious it was. The news was all we watched that night. The next day at school, in my study skills class, my teacher asked us what we thought. He wanted to make sure we were all okay as he knew we watched the coverage all day the day before after Good we got teacher. home. Mm-hmm. We had a full discussion so we could all process as a group. I really thank that teacher for that. It's crazy to think how that day changed everything. I distinctly remember a general fear of the unknown in our society, but a mentality of, quote, fear lets the terrorists win. Yep. Yep. In the years that followed, when Hollywood started making movies about that day, I always wanted to watch them, but I was unable to watch them all the way through at one time. I would have to stop and process and then restart the movie the next day as it was too emotional. Looking back 20 years later, it brings up the anxieties of what I was feeling at that time. I did not watch any of the specials or documentaries commemorating the anniversary for fear of bringing up those anxieties again. Mm -hmm. And because it reminds me of the start of me being brainwashed by Fox News. Yeah. Thankfully, I've come a long way since then. God, my Facebook from that time was cringy. (laughs) But that's a story for another time. Listening to the episode has made me want to watch a special on the 20th anniversary so I can deal with and process the emotions. Thanks for what you guys are doing. Keep up the great work. I think that Jason, oh, <laughs> I think that that's a really good point, and that's what we were discussing as well. I know for me, I wasn't expecting to have a mm-hmm. an emotional response to watching the documentaries, but it really was something that heavily affected me, and I did have to pause and take a second and breathe. And I think, especially when you're a child and there's this unknown, and you're seeing the adults freak out, and you don't have a sense of of what's going on. You just have to trust those around you. And I think that even though we didn't go through the terrorist attacks ourselves, there's so much trauma there because of this emotional trauma, this emotional fear that we had for our safety and everything else that I think is really real. And I didn't expect that to be a thing until I started experiencing it myself, getting prepared for these episodes. Right. Yeah. And everything else, like it wasn't just the fear for our safety. It was also everything that came afterwards. Yeah. Right? Like every time I have a conversation about 9-11 with people, it's always kind of in terms of it being this catalyst for everything after. Like yes. everything we've experienced I mean, politically kind of started yeah. There, Do you I remember think. the story I told like months ago where I went to Starbucks and the girl that gave me my drinks was like, oh, my God. Do you remember what it was like before the world went to hell? Because I was like so old in her opinion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I do. And it's really true. I think a lot of people who are younger who have just kind of learned about this 
really see it in that way. And it was interesting for me to think about how politically everything was motivated differently after that event. Yeah, absolutely. And something that they said that really resonated with me and I wrote them back and kind of said this as well because I hadn't ever thought about it in those terms, but uh-huh. 9-11 really was the beginning of the end in terms of radicalization for a lot of people on the right, my yeah. family and myself included at that time, yeah. where it became a thing. It was really the start of having the news on all the time and what news you decided to engage in right. really shaped your worldview. And for yeah. us, it was Fox News and it was on all the time. And it was always like these opinions about 9-11 and about Muslim people and right. about and it really did start radicalizing a lot of people to get us to where we are right now you know wow. like um and I didn't even think about that that there no. is trauma involved with with that part of it too yeah. so thank you so much for submitting your story yes we really appreciate it I saw so many parallels to my yes. own story you know? well and that's the thing is like we can always tell our experiences but there are things that we're going to be missing out on so the fact that we had a listener reach out and say something that you maybe haven't thought of but really resonated with you like that's yeah. why we really really love to hear from all of you we yeah. do learn so much so if you have any thoughts please reach out to us, whether it's big or small, you know, if you have your 9-11 stories or if there's anything that you want to share from any of the episodes that we've covered, we really, really do want to hear from you and learn so much from you all. So if you have a 9-11 story or a news topic or anything that you would like for us to discuss, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go on the business page and rate and review us and go on the group page and chat with your fellow listeners. And I'm still checking those reviews all the time. I know how many of you are listening. So if you have not left us a review, it would really mean so very much to us for you to leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you love us so much. It'll help us out so much and it also really makes our day. So if you haven't done it, please go ahead and do so. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often? Every night.